0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG 13. Coming up on today's episode, we recap what went wrong in the Jets' blowout loss to the Avalanche. And look at where the Jets need to improve to stack up to Colorado. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, uh, that was a bit of an eye-opener, wasn't it? Hey, boy, I I thought the most dominant performance of the night was going to be me versus my box of mint chocolate chip ice cream. I I feel so sick still, but that was, I guess that was before Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and Gabriel Landeskog hit the ice in Denver Man, a promising start came to an end pretty quickly there in the second period as the Avalanche stormed to a 7-1 victory over the Winnipeg Jets. So let's get right to it here. And, you know, that's the crazy thing with this game, actually, is that, I mean, A, the Jets opened the scoring in the contest, but B, they they played a pretty damn good first period. Like, they might have even been the better team against Colorado after 20. And I, I was a little worried going into this one, You know, thinking it might be a bloodbath, but after 20 minutes, it was like, wow, the Jets the Jets really came to play. You know, even with some some injuries and some COVID absences, basically right before they stepped onto the ice for pregame warmups. This club looks ready to go and they're gonna give Colorado a pretty tough test here. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois takes an interference penalty in the second period which was a clear penalty, but, you know, Dubois, if you you saw him, if you could read lips in the penalty box there, Dubois was actually trying to hit O'Connor on the play. He didn't even see Cadre and and made contact with him, but Dubois takes the penalty there in the second period. Colorado scores. It's the turning point of the game. Two more in the second. Three goals there piloted on in the third period, and what was a uh, tight matchup after 20 turns into an absolute blowout and a touchdown for the Avalanche. I mean, a few things stand out with the Avalanche right from the get-go. It it, it doesn't take too long to to watch to figure it out. I mean, one is that the team as a whole is fast as hell. I mean, there's playing fast, but then there's also just flat-out speed. And the Avalanche, they look like a track team. Like They they move. I I don't think any team in the NHL is even close to how fast the Avalanche are once they get going. And maybe it's amplified, too, by playing at home, And the other team is you know, the the visiting team isn't used to the altitude. But they can just fly out there. And if you're not ready to skate, then, you know, the Jets were ready to skate, right? But if you're not ready to skate, you're going to get embarrassed. And even when you are, they're so talented, they might still do the same to you anyways. So, I mean, the, the team speed is really the first thing that jumps out to you. Because the Jets have some fast guys on the team. Some guys that can, you know, skate as quickly as the Avalanche can. But it, it did look like, you know, pretty much from the, the second period on that the Jets were just a step or two behind the Avalanche once Colorado kicked it into high gear. The other is just, I mean, it, it was also pretty obvious to anyone that watched the game, the Avalanche have the best line in hockey. <laughs> and when you can add the best defenseman on the planet, in my opinion, right now, on top of those three, it's tough, man. It's, it's tough to slow that group down, and it's why they're scoring four-plus goals a game right now it's it's a really, really difficult task, and unfortunately for the Jets, I mean, really the best strategy, I think, is you hope that Colorado gets into penalty trouble and their stars have an off night, but when they're rolling and, and firing on all cylinders, yeah, I, I, I just don't know, I don't know how many teams are going to be able to slow down Colorado. I mean, Vegas did it, we'll see, maybe Vegas is the one team that could do it, you know, but once the end of the season and once the playoffs get rolling around, it's going to take a herculean effort to keep those three off the score sheet for an extended length of time and obviously the Jets weren't anywhere close to making that happen in that game now so there's a couple of of talking points that I want to get to from what occurred during the game we'll do that a little bit later in the show but I, I guess what stood out to me the most in the game is just that it's really really evident we're watching the cream of the crop in the NHL if not the best team one of the three best teams in the nhl a team that no doubt about it its ceiling is stanley cup champion and the winnipeg jets aren't there and i know that's not you know breaking any ground or anything like that but i mean that's kind of what the goal is as a contending team or, or or a playoff hopeful team at the very least is to have your ceiling be stanley cup champion and when you look at the winnipeg jets so far this season you, you just can't say that. You, you can't look at what we've watched for almost half a year now and say, you know what? If this team gets it all together, they can ultimately lift the Stanley Cup at the end of the season. They can go through four rounds of the playoffs and win 16 games. And then we have a hell of a parade down Portage and Maine. You, you know what I mean? Like, why why aren't the Jets at that level? Because there's a lot of talent on the team and a lot of improvements and moves were made in the offseason to get the Jets back to where they had been, where where they were really, you know, back in 2017, 2018. And so I I thought it would be interesting to look at the two rosters and try to figure out where the Jets are lacking right now. Why, Why is Winnipeg a step or two or three behind the Colorado Avalanche right now when it comes to being one of the best teams in the NHL? So we'll start with the forward group. You know, comparing the Jets forwards and the Avalanche forwards, because I mean, it was the most obvious thing in the game when uh, McKinnon and Ranton and Atlanta Scog score five of the seven goals. I mean, that's probably the most apparent thing that the Winnipeg Jets need to find a way to improve on, right? And it's interesting because it's not like the Jets lack high end talent. It's just not necessarily in the stratosphere of of what we see from Colorado or what we've seen from Tampa Bay the past two postseasons. And, and go, I mean, go further and further back with Stanley Cup champions, they generally have two to three forwards that are amongst the best in the entire NHL. And we saw that very clearly Thursday night with the Golden Trio with Colorado. I mean, no doubt about it, Nathan McKinnon, top five player in the NHL. Ranton a top five, top 10 winger in the NHL. Landeskog, a great complimentary piece, but when he's on base for 90 plus points, I think you have to say a top 10 winger. You know know what I mean, right? Like their high-end talent is amongst the best in the NHL, not just all-star level, but amongst the best in the NHL. And that's where, that's kind of the first step where Colorado starts to differentiate themselves from Winnipeg. Because Mark Scheifele is a no doubt about it number one centerman. Nikolai Ehlers, a top-line winger. Pierre-Luc Dubois has played like a number one center (laughs) pretty much all season long. And then you have Kyle Connor, you know, breaking out as as a bit of a superstar this year, being top 10 in NHL scoring. Connor might have the the best case right now to put himself on the same level as the three big avalanche forwards, but you still need a couple more to match that, right? And so when it comes to high-end talent, the Jets have high-end skill But they need those guys to elevate their game a little bit more. Like the Jets need more out of Mark Shifley. I actually think Shifley's had a a pretty good stretch of games recently, right? But the Jets need Mark Shifley to be at least a point-of-game centerman and and maybe a bit more than that and a force at both ends of the ice. The Jets need last year's Nikolai Ehlers to return. Ehlers has been solid this year, but not as game-breaking as he was pretty much all of last season and then have... Dubois and Connor stay on the same level that they are right now. Like, it it wouldn't reach what Colorado has, right? Especially when Asim Kadri is 5th in NHL scoring right now and on pace for 100 points, right? So it might not match what Colorado has, but at least you're in the same ballpark at that point. That's the first improvement we need to see from the Winnipeg Jets, you know, this year and moving forward. I also think it's the most realistic because at, at least we've seen Shifley and Ehlers in particular reached that level in the past. We'll see if they can do that again moving forward. But at the very least, you know what's possible. Some of the other things that we'll get to, there's a lot more guesswork and, and maybe even just hope that it could happen. But at the very least, the Winnipeg Jets could get a return to high-end offensive play if their big guns get back to the levels that they were previously at. Then when you look at the rest of the Colorado forward group, You know, it gets a little dicey for Winnipeg because we we got the big three with the Avs. The Jets can't match that, but maybe get somewhat close to that. But then you have the support pieces who have been providing a ton of value, a ton of value for the Avalanche all season long. And it's not even just the second line for them, right? Like right down to the fourth line, everybody outside of the big three contributes at a pretty high level, right? You've got Nashushkin who's just under a point a game and is an extremely good defensive winger. I mean, Bjorkovsky continues to be one of the most underrated players in the NHL. But even the third line for the Avs, right? Like the third line is pretty much all right around a half point a game and, and even a bit higher than that. Not a lot of household names, right? But Comfer, Alex Newhook, I mean, Obey Kubel has been a new addition for them as well. Colorado's still able to get production if their big guns aren't firing on a given night. We know that hasn't been the case in Winnipeg for quite some time now. And I think this issue has kind of gone under the radar this year because, I mean, there's been the much maligned struggles of Shifley and, and Wheeler for a large chunk of the season. But Adam Lowry has six points in 32 games so far this year. Jansen Harkins, six points. Dominique Toninato, five points. The Riley Nash experiment through the first, Twenty or so games of the season, right? Like that's a lot of players in your bottom six that are giving you almost no offense. And you know, I love the guy, and and the team loves him, the fans love him. He's been great since he since he suited up for the Jets. But I mean, if Adam Lowry's given you six points in thirty-two games, you're, you're talking about under twenty points over the course of a season playing fifteen plus minutes a night. Like you need a lot more production from that. When you look at Colorado's side of things, and their third-line center is giving them, you know, on pace for 40 points a season, almost doubling, I mean, more than doubling the production that the Jets are getting right now. And that's not even including the fourth line, which, you know, for a number of years now is basically giving you zero when it comes to offense. That's another step the Jets need to find a way as an organization to take a big step forward in if they want to be looked at as true contenders, because, You know, as great as any team's high-end guys are, you know, over the course of a stretch of games, they're going to go cold, and it's going to be up to some. You know, how many times have unsung heroes stepped up for teams when it comes to long playoff runs, and and they chip in with a handful of goals here and there. You you can't really feel confident right now with what the Winnipeg Jets have in the bottom six that they're going to be able to do that. Now again, I mean, I, I guess the the silver lining with that is it's a lot easier to find potentially useful players in your bottom six, right? Like, you can find guys like that. You don't have to give up first-round picks or prospects to get the job done. You might even have a prospect that can do that. You know, a a lot of people think Cole Perfetti could be that guy this year. But I I guess the good thing is you can find ways to fill that role, whether it be a prospect, whether it be a trade, or a free agent signing going into the next offseason. There is viable ways to pull that off it might be tricky for the rest of this season but moving forward the hope is I think that the Jets can find a player or two either in the organization or outside the organization that can somewhat mirror what the Colorado Avalanche have been getting so far this year so that's the forward group between the two teams it's it's a bit more of a rosier comparison even though the Avalanche have I think quite clearly separated themselves from what the Jets bring but there's at least hope that Winnipeg can get within the neighborhood of, of what the Avalanche have the defense though is the big gulf between these two teams and it's really been Winnipeg's Achilles heel since that magical 2017-18 season and I just think it was this to me was the most evident thing watching the game and, it, and it's not even to disparage you know, what the Jets have on the back end so far this year, because it's been much, much improved. And it, it's not, it hasn't been a major issue for this team so far this year, like it has the previous two seasons. But man, you watch Kale McCarr out there, and and he's an, he's an obvious game breaker. For, for me, he is just below Connor McDavid as far as impact across the like, I I think he's one of the best players in the NHL, period, regardless of position. But then you have, on top of that, Devin Taves who's been playing at an all-star level for two years. Sam Girard, the exact same thing. And then you have a Bowen Byram stepping up for them, and Eric Johnson as a a steady, dependable veteran for them. There's no holes on their back end, but more importantly, they have high-end talent. They have, realistically, Colorado has three top-pair defensemen, but they've got superstar-level talent on the back end this is the biggest issue in my opinion with the jets roster construction right now is that they've got a bunch of good defensemen but no great ones no superstar level talent when you can have a couple of i'm not even going to say three like the avalanche have but but when you can have even two blue liners like that that can supplement the high-end talent up front the team as a whole is just so much more dangerous and it's like that with the other high-end teams in the NHL, right? I mean, Tampa Bay, obviously, you know, you have Victor Hedman, but then you also have guys like Sergeyev and McDonough that can give you a lot offensively and still play well inside their own end. I mean, Florida this year, you have Ekblad and Weger, right? I mean, Toronto for all their faults. So you can throw them in this too, Riley and Muzzin. You, you know, you go through each of the best teams in the NHL, and they all have... I mean, for sure one, but realistically, the top, top, top teams all have two, no doubt about a number one defenseman. The Jets can't say they have that. I mean, Josh Morrissey has played at a much higher level this season. I, I think he's been really strong, but is he a top pair guy on a contending team? I, I'm, I'm not so sure. I love Neil Pionk's game. I thought he could be an all-star going into this year. But again, is he a top pair guy necessarily, right? Like, I, I, I'm i not so sure. I, I think the Jets, in an absolutely ideal world, and if they were going to compete against a team like Colorado, Morrissey Pionk would probably be your second pairing. I think that would compare favorably to other second pairings on high-end teams across the rest of the NHL. But it's just that that big stud defenseman that the Jets are missing I'm not even talking size right but just that no doubt about it number one top dog guy that's not here in Winnipeg anymore and and the trickle down effect of having a defenseman like that is just so massive right because even if you know even if you don't want to get greedy and say just give us one number one defenseman right it really does slot everybody else on the Jets blue line into a much more suitable role I think and, and that is the big difference for me, even with how great McKinnon and Landeskog and Ranton and are up front and Kadri so far this season. That's the issue the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to solve if they want to get back to where they were in 2017, 2018. Because you had Big Buff tearing teams apart, and you had, you know, Truba Morrissey as your shutdown pairing. and You had a good third pairing on top of it, right? But you had the big guy that you could lean on and give heavy minutes, and throw them out there, and be an absolute handful for the opposition, and it's just lacking right now, and the shitty thing about that is, I don't know how you get it, I I, I don't know, it's so tough to find those guys, right, the, I mean, really, the the easiest, and, and almost the only realistic way is to draft and develop them, right, I mean, it would be great, but we all know the Jets are 95% unlikely to sign a number one defenseman when it comes to free agency. I mean, we've seen it the past two off seasons. The Jets weren't even in consideration for either Petrangelo or Hamilton. So, I mean, that option is realistically off the table. And then you get into potential trades, which is the only other way you can grab somebody like that. But who are the ones that are available right now? And I don't know if we're going to see any of those... Number one stud defenseman hit the trade market anytime soon. I mean, I, I know Jacob Chikrin is is his name has been thrown out there with Arizona, but while he has the potential, I don't think you can just label him that just yet. It's just so damn tough to find those guys, and I, I don't know if there's a realistic way the Winnipeg Jets get somebody like that for this upcoming season. It's going to have to be an off-season move, and it's going to have to be kind of a hail mary. But that's what really I think separates Colorado from Winnipeg right now. I was so intrigued by the by the potential, by the experiment that the Jets tried to pull off this offseason. And and hey, Chevy did the best that he could, right? I mean, there there weren't those guys available, so you go out there and you grab a Nate Schmidt and a Brendan Dillon, two solid two solid but unspectacular players to fill out your blue line. And you try to go with essentially either two or three number two pairings and hope that that's good enough with a Vesna quality goalie behind them I, I I get the thought process that went behind it and that let's go after some realistic targets and see if that works out for us and and while they haven't been bad so far this year, the Jets blue line, I just think it's evident that it's it's a couple of steps back from the league's best and it's not just good enough to have high end forwards and a good goalie you need to have one of the best blue lines in the NHL as well if you want to realistically compete with the Colorados and the Tampa Bays and the Vegases and the Floridas before you even get to, to, to some of the other really good teams inside the top ten. And, and so that's going to be, in my opinion, the big question for the Jets moving forward: is how do they go about finding that number one defenseman, let alone a second number one defenseman to go up with what Colorado has to offer? I mean. If we're going to end this on a positive note, at least, goaltending, the Winnipeg Jets have a clear edge, right? I mean, Connor Hellebuck is one of the five best goalies on the planet right now, capable of playing like the best goalie on the planet, whereas Darcy Kemper, I think, is just, you know, a, a good solid netminder. Unfortunately, as we've seen, you know, with the Jets in the past, with Montreal in their past playoff run, getting Vezna-level goaltending isn't good enough. You, you, you can't just rely on that to take you to the promised land, you need a little bit more. And and that's where the Jets need to find out how they can get that both up front with their high-end talent, as well as with the depth pieces, but most importantly, on the back end, finding a way to bring in that no doubt about it stud number one defenseman. Maybe we'll get to that in, in Tuesday's episode, actually. You know, now that the Jets have a bit of off time before their next game, maybe we'll take a look at Ow, oh, and if the Winnipeg Jets can pull that off. But that's the big thing for me that's separating the two teams. And, you know, even with the big three of Colorado stepping it up, that's the golf the Winnipeg Jets have to climb if they want to turn a 7 1 loss into, I don't know, a 4 3 Winnipeg Jets win sometime soon. We'll get to the rest of the talking points from the game as well as looking ahead to what we have on tap for Tuesday's episode. But before we do all that, Let's give a quick shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings, one of the official sports betting partners of the NHL. No-brainer offer on tap for you guys to kick off the new year. All you have to do, new customers bet just $1 on any game of the NHL, and you win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single goal. And since there's no more ties, a goal will be scored. So you're, I like your odds in this one. And remember too, if Sportsbook is not available in your state, no worries. Everyone, including here in Manitoba, can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so some other storylines that emerged from the Jets' avalanche game. Well, why don't we go with Cole Perfetti's, not even debut, I guess, but but re-emergence? Cole Perfetti back in the lineup with some COVID issues, with some injury issues for the Jets. I mean, it's tough to really get a read on his performance, unfortunately, right? I think Jets fans want to see him stand out and, and make a case for more playing time, but you know, he gets 10 minutes, the majority of that coming in the third period when the game's already decided, and you just didn't really see him get too much of a chance to showcase what he's capable of. It was cool and interesting, though, at least to see that he, you know, did get an extended look playing beside Dubois and Connor for a few shifts in the second period and in the, near the end of the game in the third period, so... You know, maybe that's a precursor of of what's to come for an extended audition for Cole Perfetti, but it, it, it's just tough for a young guy like that. If, if you're getting, you know, 10 minutes, under 10 minutes during the course of a hockey game, and you're not playing with those high-end guys consistently shift after shift, it's tough for a high-end prospect to make an impact. So I didn't really expect a whole lot from Cole Perfetti in this game, to be quite honest, because I just didn't think he was going to be put in the best position to succeed, Now, having said that, I also kind of understand why Dave Lowry did that, right? Because it's tough in a game when you're facing a team like Colorado to put a 19, 20-year-old rookie in there and say, all right, you're going to have to go up against the Rantanans and the Landeskogs and the McKinnons for a few shifts here and there. We don't need you to just hold your water, but find a way to create chances as well. Like, I, I understand maybe in this specific game, sheltering Cole Perfetti a little bit, because you know Jared Bednar would have sent the big guns after him with the last change and everything like that. But I, I think with this game upcoming against the Detroit Red Wings, if Perfetti is still you know in the lineup, one of the 12 forwards, give him a chance somewhere in the top six and see what happens because you, you never know. I mean, realistically, the likelihood is that he's not an impact player right off the bat, which which is not a big deal at all. Being the age that he is, but but what if he is right? What what if Perfetti comes in and you know what he, he he fits and he performs at a high level? Because if that's the case, I mean that really changes the outlook of this team for I mean this season, next season as well. But it changes maybe what you do with the trade deadline. I mean you could potentially have a third line of you know when he comes back. Let's just say Larry Cop Wheeler. I mean that on paper looks to be a pretty a pretty significant third line for the team, right? Like it it just I think it behooves the Jets in so many different ways to give Perfetti it doesn't even have to be, you know, two weeks in the top six, but give him a couple games at least just to see if there's something there for this season. And if there's not, then he goes back to the Moose or over to the Olympics and he plays some professional hockey. And then he's good to go for the team next season. But man, oh man, what I love to see Cole Perfetti get a legitimate shot and, and, and get 15, 16 minutes a night playing with some high-end skilled players on this team. One final thing I want to get to quickly here, just because we went a bit long with that first segment. Uh, but I, I really was intrigued to see how Dave Lowry, and it's difficult being the visiting team without last change and all that. I get it. But I was really intrigued to see how Dave Lowry would go about in terms of who went up against the McKinnon Rantanen Landeskog line would it be Du Dubois or would Adam Lowry get a chunk of his minutes up against that line? We didn't see Adam Lowry a whole lot out there against Nathan McKinnon. It was a mixture of of Shafley and Dubois. It felt like to me at least that Mark Shafley, his line played the most against Nathan McKinnon. I'm not going to turn this into uh, you know a, a Shafley defensive conversation again. What's interesting to me, though, is that what's Adam Lowry's role on this team if he's not going to go up against the Nathan McKinnons of the world night in, night out? Because I, I we mentioned earlier in the episode there, only six points on the season so far. You're basically getting no offense from Adam Lowry at this point. If he's not going up against the other team's best lines in an attempt to shut them down, is he really giving you a ton of value right now? Because even if it is going up against the opposition's bottom six night after night, I don't know if you're going to get a whole lot of offense from that line. Even in some of those, you know, optimal matchups, right? I, I think that if you want to get the most out of Adam Lowry, and even to an extent Mark Schleifle's line, you need to find a way for Adam Lowry to get 8, 9, 10 minutes of even strength time up against the McKinnons or the Caprizovs with Minnesota, or O'Reilly, insanely, you, you know what I mean? Like, you need to find a way to get Adam Lowry in those matchups, saw them off, maybe not, you know, score a whole ton, but at the very least limit the offensive output from those big lines, and then that gives the Scheifeleys, the Ealers, even the Dubois to an extent, the ability to feast on the second, the third lines of the opposition each night. If you're not doing that, I don't know if you're getting a whole lot of value from Adam Lowry. So I'm intrigued to see if this was just a case of, you know what, the Jets didn't have last change, they couldn't find a way to get those matchups that they wanted for the majority of the night, or if, you know what, Dave Lowry thinks that Mark Shifley can go up against McKinnon. Either way, I guess my overarching point in all this is, I think at both ends of the ice really, the Winnipeg Jets need to see more out of Adam Lowry. If you're paying him, you know, three plus million dollars for another four or five seasons, you need to get more than just 20 points in solid defensive play. You need 30 plus points and high end defensive efforts as this team's shut down centerman. Need a little bit more from Adam Lowry moving forward for the rest of the year. That's going to do it for the episode, though, and that's going to do it for the week for us here. We're going to wrap things up quickly by taking a look at what we have on tap for Tuesday's episode, which is when we'll return. The Jets are off, actually, until next Thursday when they face the Red Wings. I, I think it's on the road, the finale of the road trip. So, I mean, with no games to take a look at, I figured with, you know, Frank Saravalli's trade targets being thrown out there, we could take a look at if there's any fits. On Frank Cervelli's trade board and and maybe an early look at potential avenues when it comes to the trade market for Kevin Chevalier to target for the Winnipeg Jets and and that includes being both a buyer or a seller at the upcoming trade deadline depending on where the team sits in the standings heading into the second half of the season so we'll get into that take a look at the rest of the NHL and, and any other Jets news and notes that pop up over the course of the weekend but until then Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Thanks for tuning in again. We're back at it on a Tuesday. Until then, have a safe and happy weekend, everybody. Peace.